Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined his measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstones? When the morning stars sang together, and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. When the morning stars sang together, and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that the flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightnings so that they may go and say to you, here we are. Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds? Or who can tilt the water skins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the clouds cling together? Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their covert? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God and wonder about lack of food? Now, we're supposed to have more music at this point, but I don't sing. So, I guess we go on. Okay. We need to read our bulletins before we start. Our second part of the scripture comes from Job chapter 40. And in a way, it is the response of God to Job after about two chapters of God talking about all the things that, that God has done. And so here, here are the words that the Lord said to Job. And the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? Anyone who argues with God must respond. Then Job answered the Lord, See, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but will proceed no further. God's challenge to Job. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind, Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you declare to me, Will you even put me in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be justified? Have you an arm like God? And can you thunder with a voice like this, like his? Deck yourself with majesty and dignity. Clothe yourself with glory and splendor. Pour out the overflowings of your anger. And look on all who are proud and abase them. Look on all who are proud and bring them low. Tread down the wicked where they stand. Hide them all in the dust together. Bind their faces in the world below. Then I will also acknowledge to you that your own right hand can give you victory. What's a fault finder? Somebody who can find faults, right? And sometimes we can be fault finders, right? Anybody here experience that where you find yourself criticizing stuff before you even know it? You're already finding something wrong with it? Have you ever had one of those friends that no matter how good things were and how good things were going, 
they could find the one thing that was wrong with it and point it out and make it huge. That's a fault finder. And we all have been there and done that. We have all been at that point where we were being too critical or finding fault with everything or we were just downers, what, what kids call downers. You know, I, my friend's a downer. What are, what are they talking about? They're talking about somebody who no matter how happy everybody is, they're the one that brings everybody down. Find something negative that they can point out. And let's face it, we don't need that negativity in our lives, do we? Because it really does bring us down. Every time we hear criticism, every time we, we hear about what's wrong instead of pointing out what is right, anytime we look at our problems and not look at all the blessings that we have received, we experience that. And sometimes we find ourselves being the fault finders. Because let's face it, it's easier to find fault than to point out what is right. It's a lot easier. It sticks out like a sore thumb to us all the time when something is not quite right. And it is easier to criticize others than to look at our own faults. It's hard to look at my own faults. It's a lot easier for me to talk about how you messed up rather than admit how I've messed up. It's a lot easier to point out to where you're coming up short rather than admit that I come up short. And it is a lot easier to just point at others rather than point at ourselves and acknowledge those facts. Well, when you read the book of Job, you find that Job was indeed complaining to God. But he had incredible reasons to complain. He had incredible reasons to find fault with what was going on in his life. He had incredible reasons to say that it wasn't fair or just in his view. I mean, think about everything that he lost in this book. He lost his health and his wealth. He lost his family and his home. He was chastised by friends and his own wife. He, he suffered in his own flesh from illness. He had so many things go wrong that is just half of these things went wrong in our lives, we'd be right there in the front of the line complaining with him. We'd be like, hey, Job, I get you. I'm right there. And we also would have found fault with everything going on. Because let's face it, we don't deal well with adversity. Think about how we deal with loss. We grieve. The minute I said the word loss at the early service, somebody went, we grieve. I said, yes, we do. When we lose something, we grieve it. We suffer for it. We, we begin to feel bad about it. This week, I killed my TV. I literally dropped it. And it cracked. And I moped and said, Lord, how could you let me drop it? Isn't that what we do? It wasn't I dropped it. It's how could you let me drop it? It's easier to blame God, right? Put it on God. Well, how could you let me drop it? And let me tell you, it was, it was, it was just one of those things that you see it happening on slow motion. And it falls on the ground. And you're like, I cannot believe I just did that. So I have this incredible surround system 
with a 14-inch screen that I'm looking at and I am moping and complaining to God about my TV. For three days, I felt like I was in the grave, just like Jesus. Three days of moping, of complaining, of saying, Lord, I got to do something about this. And I couldn't stand it any longer. The loss was too great. I could not bear to look at that little screen one moment longer. And I went and bought a TV. Bigger and better than the one I had. I didn't deal well with loss. We don't. And this is just a material thing. Think about how we deal with illness when we lose our health. How many times does that make us crumble? How many times does that shake us to the core? When we face illness in our own selves, but also in our families and in those we love, we begin to question everything and ask God why. We take Job's position and begin to hold our fist up at God and say, why are you letting this happen? We can't understand. And we begin to complain. If you're a guy, you might just ignore the disease, trying to think that if you ignore it, it's going to go away. It never does that way, right? Sometimes we go to the other extreme and say, I'll never see a doctor. I'm just going to trust God and that's also not necessarily a great option. We need to learn to deal with illness. We need to pray to God and go to the doctor. Because God can use doctors too. But we want to tell God how to do it, right? Because we know better. And how about how we deal with death? Death is a tough one. Because we mourn. We feel the loss, we feel the pain, we feel everything that goes along with not being able to see that person that has passed away anymore. But as Christians, shouldn't we see death as victory? Shouldn't we see that as a moment in which people go from this life to the next and are released from all of the suffering of this life? Yet in death we complain too because mourning overtakes us. If you read Job, you find a man broken, a man that cried out to God at the loss of his children, a man that just cried out to, to God at that loss and not being able to understand the why. And how do we deal with criticism? They call it constructive criticism, but nobody likes criticism. Let's face it. The minute somebody begins with a criticism, you begin to tune it out. Why? Because no matter how well it's couched, it always feels personal. It always feels like it's an attack on you. Even if somebody's trying to help you, criticism tends to be received negatively by us. And it takes us a lot of work and training to be able to receive criticism. We just don't deal with it well. But what happens when the criticism comes from your best friends, from the people you love, like your own spouse? You know, Joe's wife told him, just curse God and die, dude. You, you messed up. His friend said, you must be a terrible sinner because God is letting this happen to you. 
What happens is we can't deal with the criticism. It hurts us and we, we're not able to, to, to take it in and to see it in any positive way. And a lot of times it shuts us down. And we go into that mode of defeat. And we go into that mode of sorrow. Given everything that Job went through, would we have done any better than he did in complaining to God? Would we have complained any less? I venture to say no. I think we would have maybe complained even more. Because we're used to having more, right? We're used to a culture of abundance. We're used to owning and having and possessing and thriving. And the idea of loss is, is, is hard for us. Especially if we associate loss with a loss of favor from God. But sometimes those two don't go together. Sometimes we lose so that we can grow. Sometimes we lose so that we can trust. Sometimes we lose so that God can bless us in a different way. But boy, in the middle of it, it's hard, isn't it, to see that. Our scripture reminds us that anyone who argues with God must be ready to respond. That is, if you're going to find fault with God, you better have a darn good argument. And guess what? You're going to lose. I mean, you can't win, and this is what God is reminding Job of. This is what, where the book of Job is useful to me, at least, because it helps me consider who I'm talking to. It helps me remember who it is that I'm speaking to. I mean, this is, this is not just anybody. This is God, the maker of all things. Have you ever tried talking back to your mother? And I say tried because when I was growing up, you tried. If you tried, you're not here anymore. You know, back then, if you talk back to your mother, you might as well just dig a grave in the backyard because you were done. You know, my mom would tell me, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. And it wasn't a threat. It was just a reality. <laughs> she wasn't threatening me. She was just pointing out a fact. She was reminding me that she was the one who gave me life. I mean, don't we owe a debt of gratitude to the person who brought us life, to our parents? I think there's a reason that God says, honor your father and your mother. It's because they're part of who brought you life. And so my mom would remind me, you know, all four feet, two inches of her would say, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. And she meant it. She was reminding me of who I was talking to and the authority that God had given her as my mother over me. Mom's words reminded me that it is God who gave us life. It is he who created us. It is he who put everything together for us so that we could enjoy it. It is he who formed the heavens and the earth and organized everything in such a way that it works together. And it is he who has been working on our behalf since day one. And it reminded me of mothers because aren't mothers that way? Before the child is even born, the baby room's getting ready. 
Before the child even arrives, there's already this incredible love for the child like nothing you've ever had before. And in the same way, God loves us from before we even come into being. Scripture says he knows us from our mother's womb. And so he's been working on our behalf. And we can't ignore when reading Job that God has paid attention to every single detail. The scripture says that he put, he measured everything out. He numbered the clouds. Can you imagine that job? Can you imagine having to number the clouds? Can you imagine knowing every hair on everybody's head? Can you imagine putting the foundations of the earth and the cornerstones and putting everything together in such a way that everything works together? Our own bodies are a miracle that all of these systems work together to help us exist and thrive. And God reminds Job of all this. And then he simply asks Job, where were you? when I was doing all this work, that you can find fault with me. Where were you when I was doing all of these things on your behalf? And with what wisdom do you come arguing at me for what's going on? It takes a lot of wisdom to put all of this together but you know, it's amazing how we reach a certain point in our lives where we think we know everything. I call it teenage years. And when you get there, nobody can give you any more advice because you know it all. And nobody can direct you because you've got it all figured out. And it takes some time in your life before you begin to realize the wisdom your parents had in raising you, providing for you, trying to train you right at 43, my mom always reminds me that if I ever get out of line, she'll be the first one to climb in a chair and set me straight. She was reminding me that she still has authority over me at 43 by the single fact that she is my mother. And God was reminding Job that because he is the creator and the maker of all things, he continues to have authority over all things. He says, I can even command the rain to come. I can command these things to happen just by uttering the word because of who I am. And God basically comes to Job and questions him. After Job has ranted and raved, God says, Job, you weren't there when I made everything. You don't know what I have planned. He says, instead of ranting and raving, here, let me give you some advice. Let me give you some advice on what you should be doing in the midst of all of this sorrow and suffering and loss. And I think this is really important because we always read Job and always hear about the complaining, but we never get to this part of what God tells him to do. Have you seen that in our scripture? It's right there on chapter 40. 
Deck yourself with majesty and dignity. We feel so much better when we dress up. We feel better when we do our hair and we, and we put on some nice clothes and we get ready, right? And God is saying, deck yourself with majesty. Get yourself full of glory and splendor. Whose glory? Whose splendor? God's. Look at all that I have given you in your life and all that I am to you and clothe yourself with my glory and my splendor. Fill yourself with me. Even in the midst of the darkest hour, God is inviting us to fill ourselves with him, with his Holy Spirit, with his presence. And then he says, pour out the overflowing of your anger. Has your anger ever overflowed? Just a little. You know, that moment when you snap back at everybody around you? He says, pour it out before it overflows. Sometimes we need to stop before we get to the boiling point, but we, we usually wait until we've blown up on everybody's face, and then we go, I'm so sorry that I was so mean, but I was very angry. God is telling Job, don't get to the boiling point. If you had looked at all that is going on to you and you had looked at the fact that you were ang getting angry about it and bitter about it and you had poured it out of you instead of holding it in, you might have not reached that boiling point and raved at me like you did. Pour it out before it affects others negatively. And then he says, look on the proud and bring them low. Tread down the wicked where they stand. In other words, be with the humble. Do what is right. Love mercy and justice. Even if it's not fair to you. Even if it seems like you are giving too much. Even if it seems like you're having to sacrifice. Be for the humble. Be for the lowly. And he says, don't put up with wickedness. Don't put up with evil. If you read the story of Job, you find that his friends who had accused him so much of sin got into so much trouble with God that God told Job, I will only forgive them if you pray for them. Did you know that? I will only do it if you intercede for them. Job had to intercede for these friends who were wicked to him. Because he couldn't put up with their wickedness. And neither could God. They had to have mercy from the one that they had wronged. And that's hard to do, isn't it? To forgive those that have hurt us. And to ask God for our enemies. Pray for your enemies. Forgive those who hurt you. I mean, this is all Jesus too, right? This is all what Jesus told us to do. Do these things, the Lord tells Job. Do these things and I will give you victory. Now when we hear those words and you have lost your home, your children, your health, and your friends, and your wife, and everybody's telling you to die, 
It's hard to see victory in that. But how many times do we face much less than that and we act like the world's going to end? I mean, when I lost my TV, I thought it was all over. It was hard. But it doesn't compare to Job. I don't even come close to Job and understanding all that he went through. Do these things, God says, and I will give you victory. Give up your fault finding. Know who you're talking to. And the one who made you, the one who loves you, the one who is for you will not let you sit in defeat. And I want to tell you, God wants you to be in victory, not one day, not two days, but every day of your life. And victory does not mean that you're not in the struggle. Victory does not mean that you don't face difficulty. Victory means that you know, you know, you know who is going to bring you through it. And you know that he has planned for you. God has a victory for you. But in order for that to happen, you've got to clothe yourself with that splendor and majesty. You've got to get yourself some of that glory. And you've got to let him restore you. Restore everything that is lost. Bring hope even in the middle of death and sustain you through illness and troubled times so that you can truly experience his salvation. Job did not see the light at the end of the tunnel until he got to the end of the tunnel. Have you ever thought about that? He didn't see it from afar. He literally did not see the light until he was at the end of the tunnel. He had to go through the darkness in order to get there. And we sometimes have to make it through the darkness, knowing that the light will shine if we are faithful and trust God. Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you for this word. I thank you because you are challenging us, oh Lord, not to be fault finders, but to continue to trust you, to know, oh Lord, that you, the God who made us, the God who loves us, the God who has great plans for us, have not given up on us, that you are still working on our behalf and that you will continue to work on our behalf. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just ask that you will help us to learn from Job, to learn, oh Lord, from all his complaining, that we shouldn't complain, that we should be grateful and thankful for all the gifts that we have received. Oh, Lord, we know there are difficult times. Help us to share, oh, Lord, our hearts with you without coming across as unappreciative of all your blessings. And help us to know that you always have a plan for our lives and that your plans are always good. Thank you, Jesus, for this time to be able to learn from Job. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The altar is open as we go back to worship. If you, like Job, have found yourself complaining more than you are thinking, if you found yourself looking at the negative instead of the positive that is going on in your life, if you have found yourself doubting where God is taking you, where God is leading you. The altar is open today so that God can reassure you that he is with you and that he is going to get you to where he wants to take you.